Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another day of the 12 days of Fistmas. Um, this is in celebration of various projects that Joel is working on. Joel, do you have a project that you want to talk about before we um, get into the movie we're going to discuss? Oh, heck yeah, because we're, we're coming up on my, my next Kickstarter, Kickstarter number two, uh, kind of technically number three, but te- we're going to call it number two. We're not going to count the failed Kickstarter. Uh, so so Acid and Steel, um, it's it's another Lone Wolf Fist project. It's a continuation and a broadening of the um, uh, of the setting. We're going to give you a robot world called the Val Kaminar, uh, where you could play a new type of hero, an artificial hero, and get robot parts grafted onto you RoboCop style. Thanks for the inspiration there, uh, Adam. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. It's very loosely based on stuff like Battle Angel Alita and, and things like that. Armature's the third. Um, there's some of the more cyberpunk elements of Akira, that kind of thing. And it also additionally has um, Naraka, which I finally uh, explored all of that. So you could be a prince of hell and get... Uh, demonic Ashura powers and do all kinds of great stuff in the heavy metal acid hell of the setting. And uh, Kickstarter is coming up soon. It was going to be a February thing, uh, but my my writing for it has been delayed by a couple of things, so it's probably going to be a little bit later. We're going to have the writing done before we do the Kickstart, so that'll be nice. It should be a pretty quick little thing. And we just... Uh, uh, just been getting cover returns from our fantastic rock star artist Kazuki, um, and they are looking really, really rad. I've showed them off uh, earlier to Adam and Brendan to a round of mild applause. <laughs> but yeah, so look forward in the very near future to being able to go to uh, hell and back in acid and steel. So that's my plug. And uh, today we're doing Fist of the North Star, and I don't know what day of the twelve days of Fist was. No, I lost track. We, but we've we're all somewhere lost towards the end. We know that, um, but we're doing. <laughs> Fist of the North Star, which is a 1986 Japanese animation film directed by Toyo Ashida. Uh, After a nuclear war turns Earth into a lawless wasteland, Kinshiro, a practitioner of a deadly martial art, Hokuto Shinken, is that correct? Uh, Hokuto Shinken, you got it. Fights a succession of tyrannical warriors to restore order. That was from the IMDb. That sounds fairly accurate to me based on what I saw. I don't know that I have the most accurate read of this movie. Um, but I, I, I think that's based that resembles what I saw last night. Um, well, I'm, I'm the one who drug you both into this film. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, so, all right. So why don't, why don't we, uh, round table it and everybody can give their first impressions and then we can go into, and also you, if you have personal experience with this movie, you can talk about that, but that and your overall first impression. All right. I, I mean, am I going first? I feel like one of you guys should go first. Everyone knows that I love this movie. First. Yeah. All right. Fight, you two. Fight. I'll Only go the on. strongest can give their opinion. I'll go. Uh, yeah, I I had never seen this. It's a movie I've heard about going back to the 80s, but it's just never really crossed my path. I know that it's a super, vi- just that it was a really violent post-apocalyptic kung fu type anime movie thing. Um. But uh, yeah, I I got to admit, I struggled a little bit early in this movie. I wasn't sure I was going to like it. I because it, it it being it being a manga condensed down to a movie, a lot of the early scenes felt, you know, I felt like there was just there was kind of jumping from one thing to another with different characters, and uh, it took me a little while to get into the art style and animation style. 
And then maybe about a third of the way through the movie, it just started to click. And it, cause it's like, it's got a very mythic quality, you know, kind of in that sense, when you go back and read old myths, they're very general, very, you know, not, not written in a very specific style we expect of, you know, modern fiction. I, it just kind of clicked as kind of this this mythological type story for me. And I, I really started to enjoy it. It's like I because I I watched it pretty late last night. I was like, OK, I'm going to watch like maybe an hour of this, you know, now and I'll watch the second hour tomorrow or something. It's like, no, I'm going to watch the whole thing. I was just like, I'm on board. I'm going to watch it. And <laughs> it's like it's yeah. fists into you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like I. I no, I so I really enjoyed this by the end. I'm really I'm really glad you you suggested this. It, it, like I said, it took a little work. I had to meet it halfway early on, but once I was on board, I just thoroughly enjoyed the rest of the movie. Excellent. So yeah, like Adam, I don't think I had seen this one before either. Um, it's possible because there were we saw like a lot of animes and a lot of different types of movies like this when I was younger, and this was definitely like Adam. This is a name I remember hearing. Mm -hmm. And and I had this feeling that maybe I had seen it, but nothing that I saw last night was uh, anything I recognized. So I'm going to assume that I didn't see it. Um, and if I did, it was just like, you know, one of those one and done kind of things where it just, you know, you saw it and then you, you never really remembered it. Um, but I I I I like the ending. I'll, I'll start there. I like the, end. the ending <laughs> entertained me. Um, and I know that I, I'm probably going to be the least popular person on this podcast tonight because I know this is a very popular movie. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. It's a good, I think it's a well done movie. Like when it opens up and it's doing those animated sequences of the landscape, I was like, oh, this is 1986. And they're doing some fairly uh, advanced, you know, foreground imagery with the, you know what I mean? That, that sort of thing where. Uh, there was an artistry to it. Um, it has an aesthetic and it commits to that aesthetic. And for me, I think what it boils down to, I don't dislike anime. I'm not a big anime person though. So it takes, like my wife is always trying to get me to watch animated movies or anime or whatever. And I just will stubbornly refuse. She, she talked me into um, uh, Kung Fu Panda the other night. And I like, I couldn't watch more than 20 minutes of it. Like I just can't sit this through is animated very film. similar to kung fu panda so yeah. i can see yeah. it. Yeah. no 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 I, i'm not i'm not saying this is like <laughs> kung fu panda. it's the fact that it's the fact that when i'm in animated film i feel trapped i don't if like your it. kids like, like kung fu panda just show them this they're gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah kung fu panda is the first feature second feature the reason i mentioned kung fu panda is kung fu panda is, is generally thought of as an easy enough movie to watch it's yeah it it's is. mainstream did, did you get and, to the tai lung scene i think you didn't enjoy that scene well what so where the tiger, yeah where, where the tiger is just kicking ass and and busting well, out of the i should prison. i should say we, we we didn't watch the first i'd seen the first one ages ago we watched like kung fu panda three or four whatever they're up to now that's oh. what i that's what i watched and I, I i i was i was not enjoying myself i'll put it that way um and so that's something to understand this is a perfectly fine anime um it, it has its own style of anime but i really didn't enjoy watching it. It was very difficult for me to sort of marshal through. Like normally, even when I don't like a movie, it's like, okay, I'm, you know, I got to watch the movie. And I'll, this one, it was like, oh man, like, is this going to be over soon? And it, was, it wasn't because there was anything wrong with the movie. It's just that it was, it was, 
I, I really felt trapped in this aesthetic that I did not want to be trapped in. But that's it, how I felt for the first half hour. So I, I totally know what you're saying. Okay. I, it took me a while. And then it just, it just flipped on me and I was like, oh, I get it now. But yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't even like like movies like heavy metal and stuff like that. Like, you know, those kind of okay. things don't really appeal to me. Um, I, I remember seeing them as a kid and I have negative memories of seeing the, the Phantom Toll Booth is another one. Oh, or I, I get know, like I get physically movie. nauseous when I think of that movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I like, yeah. So, um, but uh, it's but, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think I think for me, part of the uh, the issue I was having too is like so many of those early scenes. There's, it, it's almost all entirely hostility for like the early part of the movie. There's like no connect. <laughs> there's like no relationships that are in any way positive for like the early part of the movie. And so there was just no in, I like wasn't feeling drawn into a character to relate to or to anything. And I, it's like when, uh, when Ray and Kenshiro kind of team up to go rescue that, uh, the, the, the blinded his blind, you know, Ray's blinded sister. That was where the movie just started to pull me in. I was like, okay, I found, I found kind of a, a rooting interest in the movie and I was actually, invested in that whole sequence i really enjoyed and i just enjoyed the rest of the movie from that point forward so yeah, yeah their I bro energy is really really good i will say yeah. that I, I, first yeah. of all i only like yeah. ray as a character yeah <laughs> no ray was a great character right like i said that was where it all it all it was all this kind of brooding strong silent people being jealous of each other and what you know, <laughs> it was just that was uh, that didn't that wasn't the part that bothered me like that stuff i was fine with um uh -huh. It was just more the aesthetic and the confusion. I was really having a hard time following what was going on. Me too. And yeah, and it, also <laughs> thread that really unites it super well. I'll and, give you that. And it's also the style of anime action that I dislike the most out of anime action. So it's it's, it's it, and again it, for what it does, it does that well. It's just that it's like I like the thing where he's like kicking the guy in the stomach a million times and opening up the stomach. Like that's the <laughs> kind that kind of stuff always bugged me when I was younger and we would watch anime movies. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just not my, not my cup of tea is more, more of the situation. Um, but there were things that I liked about it. Like, and also things that puzzled me and some of it might've had to do with the confusion because, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand a lot of what was going on. Yeah, A lot um, of the physics of this movie really plays by its own rules. Like, like well, that yeah. stomach scene is, that's so weird one because he's kicking in the stomach and he makes like a vortex in his fat. Then the guy grabs the edges of the vortex and tries to push it back together and he, he just can't do it. It's like, what force is keeping that vortex going? Like, is that just part of his kicking magic? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I, I desperately wanted to understand some of the rules of what was going on. Now, I did like I, the way they handled internal injuries. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I like that. I read, uh, I read, I read the guy who wrote the original manga. He was reading a lot of stuff about Chinese kind of pressure point type, mm -hmm. uh, Ju type kung fu. That was his big influence for this because okay. he thought he liked the idea that it could be a guy who could fight much larger opponents because he he just had this kind of pressure point technique mm -hmm. so yeah I, I thought that was cool i thought that was cool i liked yeah. that there was a martial world present that there was this i didn't understand the full geography of it but i liked that there was a geography underlaying all this sorry about that um <laughs> and i i liked that uh i i, I liked that um the way that it ended I, I was I was still thinking about after I saw the movie because I was like, wait a second, 
she's she's up on a cross there. So, I mean, there's like blatant. It's blatant. Like it's not yeah, like it's, it's not like some movies where it's vague. Like they they briefly go into Jesus pose and then it's done. This was like she's up on a cross and then she like did she vanish? Like I don't understand what happened. She's like she she, she does. I didn't see her die unless I missed something. Maybe I missed that. Um, so she kind of becomes like this phantom person that he's chasing in the end. It seems. Yeah, she leaves. Um, it's not clear in the movie what's going on with that. It just he just she just kind of vanishes well, into myth and so, Finn just kind of goes with her. So here was my my what my, my brain stitched together was oh well she was crucified and she died and the sacrifice is what brought back all of the 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 foliage that started to grow in the world, hmm. um, which That's I thought was so kind of a cool idea, even if it's well, not it, okay, literally. So it is in it is. in the manga she dies. Uh, way earlier she i think she okay. commits suicide in the southern cross city that shin has her in and then ken and shin have a, a showdown rouse not involved in it they fight okay. and after she's killed herself and shin's completely in despair and then and he's like at, at his lowest point and kinshiro not knowing this kills him and then he's like oh yeah and julia's dead um and, and so yeah, Ken kind of loses that driving, like, motivation, and the question becomes, like, well, what's his purpose now in this new world? That's why in that fight with Rao at the end, um, whenever, uh, what's the little kid's name? Damn it, I can't remember. I feel like an idiot, I remember her name. Uh, but whenever she comes up to stop the fight, that's supposed to be, like, she kind of inherited that purpose from Julia, because she has her seeds and all of that. So it's, it's okay. a stronger thematic tie in the manga. In the movie, it's just like, well, where did Julia go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's, that's that's what i was the, thinking so it's like well she went away and then flowers appear so th there's like yeah, a i will say i will ahead. say the crucifixion thing in japan is more complicated too because it was just a thing japanese people did like i i know in okay. world war ii a lot of japanese prison I mean, australian prisoners of war the japanese got crucified i know that was a thing i okay. remember from my childhood so okay it could be it could be christian symbolism but it might just be this is this is a form of capital punishment in Japan. Okay. Okay. So it's it's tough to say. I, well, that there's a there's a famous um, painted image from the manga of Ken on this kind of weird. It's not really a cross, but it's it's kind of the same thing where he's like more or less being crucified on this thing. Um, so it's it's a recurring symbol. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so, yeah, maybe so, it is, but maybe. Um, I mean, like it kind of goes back to. Like, is this being directly influenced by Christian symbolism, or is this being influenced by Mad Max, which was influenced by Christian symbolism? Mm, you do have okay. the, yeah, yeah, yeah you got okay. a point. It does show up in Mad Max as well. Good point. Or Road War, please. Now, the other thing I, I did like, or I found interesting, was the relationships between the characters were more complicated than they initially appear in like those scenes Adam was talking about. So yeah, they seem like almost insultingly puerile in the first few times you see them. Like Shin and Ken have like this like schoolyard bully thing where Shin's like, I'll beat you up and take your girlfriend. Yeah. And that's yeah. his motive. But then later on you realize that he's been corrupted by Jaggy and he's, he's been turned into a maniac as he's seen the world fall apart. And like, there's all this nuance to it that wasn't yeah. like, it's I like your initial scene. I liked the jaggy sort of worm tongue thing that they yeah, have. Also, a that's a very Mad Max character too, because he's like Goose from Mad Max. You know, he's been burned, and so or whatever it was that happened to him, I don't remember <laughs> what that was. But uh, he's, he's just go with deformed somehow. Yeah, he's been 
Yeah. He 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 went through a lot, and, and but but he was this weird jester-like <laughs> character that was like you know egging people on to sow discord, and it was and so I I did like that. There were th- you know so again I struggled to watch the movie. I would get lost. I'd be like, wait, who is this person? What are they doing? Like, why? Where did this person go? Like, I was really getting lost. Um, so I'm not going to be able to t- you know competently talk about characters by name, but like. Was was Rao was Rao the big guy, right? Rao's, Rao's like the big guy on the horse. Yeah. And is he literally Ken Shiro's brother, or are they just I, I think Marshall it's brothers? Marshall brothers. Okay. Yeah, because they, they they refer to the sensei as their father. That's okay. not their dad. Okay. Like none of them look alike. I think they're all just part of that Marshall school. Is okay. Okay. I I liked that kind of a backstory where you have these people that are all rooted in the same school, and it flowers into this this conflict. Um, mm-hmm. And I that really was... liked the Shin character. Like at first, I hated him. I was like, "This guy's like a, like not a good character. Like he's just over the top in every possible way." But then, mm-hmm. like you get this more romantic soul that emerges midway through the movie when they're fighting. And also, Ken isn't even really that interested in killing him or anything. Like that's like I, yeah. I was expecting him to want to come for revenge against him. That's what I thought the movie was going to be about. And so when he comes there and he's like, "I don't really want to hurt you," and you know, my lady, and we'll just go our separate yeah. ways. Yeah, like, well, and, and that's the thing. There's a certain purity to the kin in the movie, in the manga, and in the anime. Uh, that's not the case. He he okay. comes for blood. Uh, okay, he's he's very changed by the time he meets Shin again. And this one, he sort of retains his his purity, though, which I think is a fascinating change. I mean, if that's the difference, I like this better. I think this mm-hmm. that, that they went a better direction here. Um, the movie made some very interesting well, artistic choices. That was one of them that I really I, liked. He's yeah. almost like like Shin almost seemed like a Lord Byron type character to me. Yeah, in a way. you know what I mean. He just yeah, he just it, I was just like oh this guy he's just like so in love and he's just like he's it's 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 and then and then this the line where I forget what he said but he's like only madmen can love and hate is with the depth that you do yeah, something yeah. like the, that. The words he says over <laughs> yeah. Shin's dead body is yeah. like you loved her more than I did because you're a maniac. Yeah. And so it was, it was just, I don't know. It was like, uh, it was very, um, it was just a very romantic movie and romantic in like the traditional sense of the word, not in the sense of like, you know, romance between two characters. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of that. There's a lot of clashes of philosophy and the themes that emerge are really fascinating. You know, the whole like conquest and nihilism versus using the same kind of power. So all from the same Marshall school to protect this like fragile flower of hope that's, that's trying to blossom. It's really interesting. Um, it, it winds up being a deeper and more nuanced movie than I think that it gets credit for. And I was noticing that on this viewing, too, where it was like, usually whenever I watch Fist of the North Star, I'm like, look, I just want to see a guy get punched and his head explode. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but it never it never leaves you with that. It's always like, no, you're going to sit your ass down. You're going to learn why they're punching. And we're going to give you okay. the name of the technique and why their head explodes. So, like, and, and the manga does a really good job of, like, and the, the anime do, too, where it will, like, freeze frame when their head explodes and tell you what particular martial arts move he just used to make his head explode. Okay. That's a lot of fun. That kind of hokiness is unfortunately missing from the movie. But That's hard to, to capture in a movie, but, yeah, I get that. I get Yeah, that. It, the Shaw brothers can do it because they're sorcerers. Like, it's, but, <laughs> but even, like, it's but if you watch... Brave Archer versus if you read the Legend of Condor Hero books, the the level of detail that it gets into in all the various martial arts is so much deeper yeah. than in the movie because the movie can't give you all that. Even though it might name them by name, it's not giving you the depth. And so I, I can appreciate how these would be different. Um, uh, 
What I want to know is the, and again, is it, is Rao the name of the character? I can't. I keep forgetting how to. Yeah, he's the guy that works with Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the His change of heart baby. at the end, I'm. I was very curious about because I didn't yeah. fully understand it. Um, I I found it really really fascinating. That was uh. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off, Brenda. No, no. I, I mean that's sort of what I was thinking. Is that it was just like this guy who's been like, <laughs> I don't know what you would call, but just like a very unreasonable person the whole way through the movie, right? Like like he uh, didn't he kill his master or. Killed his or, master. Yeah, he killed his master, and he blatantly did not follow his master's like commands, yeah, his wishes, or uh, teachings, or anything. And, it went off to conquer the world, yeah. and he yeah. and he just is like so. You know, power is all that matters, and and then he has this one moment where this girl just she doesn't even really say anything to him. She's just like, "Can you please stop?" Like, you know, and <laughs> and, and well, and then. And then she says something. She says something that is. I don't know if she said it or if it, or if he hears his master's voice because he's talking to her. But the master says something about perception, and there's like this zen-like moment where he suddenly perceives her importance and Ken's importance. And I thought that that was that was the only way I could really wrap my head around yeah. it. Was no, you got it. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, I liked. Uh... I like the whole element, too, of just his idea of the age. You know, it's like he rules this age of the apocalypse thing. And it's it's kind of she's kind of just she's kind of the embodiment of what's going to come after the age of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. it, going going to be saying that kind of mythic feel the movie had. I felt that really, really played into that a lot. It's like these were this kind of these mythical figures as much as they were people to an extent. And maybe maybe his head. Remember, at some point, Shin is commenting on that, like how it's just going to be a dead planet with like nothing on it, you know, you know, yeah. except the bodies. And I think maybe he was in that same mindset until he realized, oh, there's a child and there's hope yeah. and that. So, yeah, think, yeah. Um, but I thought I thought that was a good ending. Like that was, and also I like that he kind of, I don't know. It's like his whole dynamic with ken changed after that moment where you know well uh, there's the moment earlier too just to, this just kind of popped into my head when he's kind of doing the parade down the street and lynn kind of watches and he just stops and looks at her for 30 seconds or so and moves on i feel like that's almost the beginning it's like that oh okay forming in his head at that point you know of like oh okay. there it there might be a future maybe this nihilism i've embraced isn't actually hmm. reality i've kind of poisoned myself i, I don't know that's just totally, no that that makes sense popped into my sense. head but but again you know again i was very confused i was very uh you know <laughs> I, I and also i was bitching I, i'll admit i was bitching the whole time i was bitching to my wife about god damn it gotta watch this yeah. i'm gonna kill joel um, tomorrow no i wasn't mad at joel <laughs> i was just like my god like like you know just, just i was just because she kept saying what do you want because she kept accusing she always accuses me of watching a porno whenever she hears a movie <laughs> where somebody is like screaming in any way and so and so i was like no i'm not watching a porno i'm watching i'm watching this this anime about you know and i couldn't tell her what it was like i don't if know you don't watch cartoons with me how come you're watching yeah. cartoons with joel yeah. so well no i invited her to watch with me i said hey i want to watch this anime for my <laughs> podcast will you watch it with me and she was like no i don't want to watch that so um, yeah I, I can't see it being a, a big, it's it's hmm. not really a chick flick yeah uh, and there's little to recommend it to the fair sex, I'm afraid. It, no. it really is like it's so testosterone fueled. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, like, and that's fine. A movie can be that, you know. A, a lot of movies I, I like are 
they, they have that kind of richness to them where they kind of appeal to humanity in general. This one isn't. This is like, no, we're all yin. We're not doing the yang with this one. This is all <laughs> fists, baby. Um, so. But yeah, I, I'm so glad I got to torment you, Brendan. This just made my entire week. <laughs> I mean, it was... It, it, well, just give me a moment. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, I, uh, I, it wasn't it, it it wasn't torture. It's just that like I, I was I was I was groggy. I was tired. I was like, man, do I really? You know, like, like I'm anime is not my thing. I I can I can I can work my way through a live action movie. Do you know what I mean? You know, at eleven at night, no problem. But anime is a lot harder for me. Um, I just, I just, again, I, I used to watch anime when I was younger, but I, I did kind of make a conscious choice around 2000, 2001, where I was like, I'm just going to watch live action action movies. I'm not going to watch animated ones anymore. Well, you um, Ninja Scroll with me. You didn't, I uh, did. And I like Ninja Scroll better than this. Ninja Scroll is uh, a, yeah. a madhouse brush. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. That, and there, that there is, are versions of this, like there's other Fizzle Star movies that have much more, they're much more digestible. Their plots are a lot more, can, like, they're as broad as this one is. The, okay. the animation's a lot slicker. The animation here actually reminded me of the original Vampire Hunter D. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. No, that, that's um, another one I like. I, I like Vampire Hunter D. Um, that's a fantastic film. Yeah. Um, I, I, there, there, are, there are anime movies that I really remember and like it's just that um but some of them get into that phantom toll booth territory for me where the aesthetic the aesthetic makes me it like almost makes me physically uncomfortable somehow this like, yeah it's like well, here, here's how i'll put it it's like it was designed to do when, that you know? when i was like a kid, there's a lot of gross in this movie like no not not that it's like that that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the aesthetic not the not the blood i'm fine with bloodshed bloodshed doesn't bother me I mean, um, but even just when they're standing still, there's something grotesque about their proportions, about yeah. like, like the, the lines they put in their faces, like the whole that was thing. That like issue early on. It's like I, as someone that draws, that's done a lot of life drawing, drawing of people and stuff, it's like I had to get, it's like, oh, the, <laughs> this is, oh, it's so wrong. But I, I kind of got used to it over the course of the movie. It was more the color palette for me. That was very nauseating, too. Yeah. I'll give it that to was you. what really, and that's what gave me the Phantom Toll. Not that it had the same color palette as Phantom Toll, both, but it had that same, like, I feel like I'm well, watching but, pea soup. Like, it was yeah, just like no. a very, I don't remember know quite that, how to describe it, but it you're felt, right. You're absolutely correct there. But remember, they're contrasting that with those bookend shots of like the beautiful, yeah. you know, serene world, which don't have that palette. They're completely different. And so they stand out really big as scenes. So, you do kind of have to force your way through the uh, aesthetic visuals of the movie. They they are grim. Um, it is I mean, it is an ugly movie. It's like it deliberately is. so. I mean, you just have to kind of accept that. It is. It's a deliberately ugly movie because uh, with animation, like this isn't like filming on a set or a location where you have a lot of control, but not all control because it's the reality of where you're filming matters. Here, you have control of every thing on every frame absolute control and they consciously decided to make this gruesome to look at right just mm -hmm. hard on your eyes displeasing yes. browns and yellows and oranges this nauseating palette i love it <laughs> it's, it's not even that it's a barren landscape it's that it's a barren landscape and they chose this particular tone to use oh, yeah. it, that pea soup tone. It doesn't look like pea soup, but I'm just gonna no, no, I, use pea right, soup though. to describe any tone that captures it, that. It is that it's almost like a vomit color scheme. Yeah. 
There's and then on top of that, sickly about it. But then on top of that, there's like these bright, like you were saying, these bright oranges and reds and blues that feel. I just didn't like looking at it. Um, yeah, and, I, I agree with you. It's nauseating. <laughs> and so I, I, and again, I just when I'm in an animated movie like that, I just feel trapped. I feel like, man, I want to get out of this thing. And I, it's, it's like, and also, you know what it looked like? It had kind of a video game palette to it. Like, not like it was pixelated, it, but a similar palette to a video game. A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, sequences in this reminded me of those cutscenes you'd get in, like, you know, mm. coin op Japanese games. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and again, I'm not a big video game person either. So that's another, you know, like, and one of the reasons why I'm not is I don't like being, I don't like the feeling of being trapped in a video game for hours on end. I feel like I'm in this place I don't want to be. Um, so, uh, like, in a dungeon, like a real elf game level. No, I just don't like, <laughs> like, I remember I used to like Zelda as a kid, you know, all that. But like, if you put me in front of a screen with Zelda for an hour, I would just be miserable. That's just not, not a world I want to be in. Uh, you know, or when, when I see people playing Warhammer, what what is it? Not Warhammer. What's the game that everybody Warcraft, plays? Warcraft. What you're thinking Warcraft. about? Yeah, I I, I don't haven't played that for a decade, but okay. Okay. Well, what's the new <laughs> game that everybody's playing? What's the, what's the new hotness? Uh, in the... Fortnite is very hot. Okay. Yeah. I haven't played Fortnite, but I can guarantee you, I'd probably feel entrapped or entombed well, I, if I, I were watching it. I really like that you bring that up, that feeling of being trapped. That That isn't universal to all animated movies for you, but it, it's something that this one very much, because I, I think I know what you're talking about, because when you watch this, you do even more so than Mad Max, which kind of makes you feel trapped. Mm -hmm. Like, at least Mad Max has blue skies. This one yeah. doesn't. It's like you're in a, a prison of rotting meat. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're in the inside of a microwave set on low, and everything's dying. It really feels claustrophobic and sickly. It was the yeah. color palette and the angles. The angles were not giving me any sense that I was escaping from this thing that I wanted to get out of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, angles, and I wasn't. And this ever more confined, nauseating well, place. Well, it's it, a big difference between it and the Mad Max movies. Of course, is that Mad Max is set in very wide open spaces and this you yeah. tend to be in these urban environments where you're always hemmed in by these collapsing yeah. buildings all around you all the time yeah i i i was um i i i was the the, the that the, the angles and the color were very uh two things that really stuck out at me while i was watching it the angles i remember having a very <laughs> strong reaction to um uh, but again, it's not like I said, it's not a bad movie. I'm not critiquing it because I know it's not. No, made but I, what a fascinating so. reaction, because like I, I also experienced that to some degree as well. Like I I mm -hmm. saw it as a general part of the they clearly were going for that. Right. Because we, we got we all got some of that out of the movie. You know, the angles are kind of meant to evoke that, you know, the, the colors are meant to evoke that the choice of environments and just how collapsing and miserable and everything it's, it's meant to evoke that. So, again, I feel like it does a good job of driving home the the kind of wacky cartoonish villains who like because they're so motivated by nihilism that it's kind of like it's it's ludicrous, right? But when you get to when you start to watch the movie and you realize just how crap sack their world is, you're like, well, okay, yes, but you know they're not entirely wrong. Look where they live. It's yeah, it's it. I mean, to take it back to uh, to Road Warrior again, it's like you know, Road Warrior and that the way Max is continually blowing off the kid wants nothing to do with the kid. You know, it's mm -hmm. like the feral kid wants to go along with him. He's just like, nah, no. Nah. It's like, well, Max 
watched him, well, didn't watch, but his his own child died. And the last thing he wants is to have some kid tagging along with him that he's going to be responsible for going off into the wasteland and having to look after. And it's like, it's like I was a kid watching when I'd watched that movie. It felt like Max was kind of being a jerk as an adult. I'm like, yeah, I understand <laughs> the weight of what well, taking that kid, kid when you were involved. You're a kid, right? But when you're an yeah. adult, you're Max, and you're like, oh, God, kid, I don't want to see you. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, can you, I don't... can you talk for just a few minutes without me? I just have to go tend to something real quick. We can't talk yeah. without you. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> We're all going to sit here in stoic silence until Brendan <laughs> returns. Yeah. Starting now. One, two, three, go. Yeah, but I, I, I uh, no, nah, you're saying, like you say, the nihilism makes a lot more sense when you're in a post-apocalyptic environment than it does when we're, you know, sitting here comfortably watching the movie. Yeah, they, they kind of, it's interesting. I, I really like the villains in this movie. First of all, like, mm -hmm. it's, it's condensing a lot from the original source material, but it does a good job of highlighting what makes them unique and giving you some insight into their motivations a lot. I really like Jaggy as, like, the source of the big rift that happens between everybody because he's just this small, petty, jealous, miserable person. Um, yeah. I, I like him a lot. He's a simple motivation, but it's it's good. I like the way it manifests, you know? This yeah. I think Brittany called him a worm tongue character. Perfect. Um, I really like Shin, like, descending into nihilism, but being convinced that he can just grab this one last thing he wants in Julia before the, the bitter end. And he makes, like, a paradise for it, you know, because he's, like, the he's, he's weak to that kind of thing, being the Lord Byron kind of romantic. And then yeah. Rao is an interesting villain, too, because... He also succumbs to nihilism, but, like, I don't know. There's something kind of dutiful about Rao, where he's, like, it's like it's part of his, like, greater destiny or purpose to be the kind of person he is. Like, in a lot of ways, he kind of gets some of the important aspects of whatever it means to be the Fist of the North Star. Um, and I, I really like that point you guys are making, where it, it isn't until he understands the dying words of his master that he really kind of, like, he's a complete as a character, you know? But he's really strong, and he even beats Kinshiro in the theatrical uh, cut of this, which I is clearly the superior version. But, like, it's... He's, he's made complete by the realization that there was something vital that he was missing and not being able to kind of sense this this other aspect of, of his own character, you know? And uh, I like that. I like that he wins and he's the champion of the nihilism apocalypse. And he's like, oh, wait, this didn't matter. <laughs> nihilism <laughs> doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but there is a kid here and there is a flower here and there is there is maybe a future here. And now that I get that, I'm going to go and pay my respects at my master's grave. And then he just leaves. He's yeah. done. He's done yeah. what he can do. Um I like that a lot. I also like that he realizes that for all his strength, he's not designed to protect the future. You know, so he's just like, uh, he does like, he does one of those like wuxia superhero things. Like, what was it? Uh, Bride with white hair, where the guy goes to watch the rose grow for like 20 years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind yeah. of that where he's just like, whenever Kinshiro heals from his crippling mortal wounds, which he eventually <laughs> will in years, I will still be paying my respects to my dead master. You can just find me there. I love that. That's such a wusha thing to do. Yeah. I that, filled up that entire time that you were gone. By just no, that's out. cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to hearing so, me talk about this. What, what do we stuff. think of the difference between the two different endings? Because like, like I said, um, 
I, I saw the theatrical version. I think Joel, you saw the theatrical version. Adam, it sounds like you saw both, right? Did you see both? Yeah, of them? I, I, like I said, I, I enjoyed the ending enough that I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch the other mm -hmm. ending right now. I kind of fast forwarded through the other version, got to the ending, and I, I totally missed what was different because I was tired. <laughs> I now, looked it up online, like, oh, that's what's different. Okay, because I was thinking it was a little later in the movie. By the ending, I was thinking, oh, it's it's something after the big fight, and I was like, everything's oh, the same. But uh. It yeah, it's very, I very very close it, to the the other movie. Also, yeah. what did you guys watch the English or the Japanese audio? Japanese, yeah. yeah I watched the English. I watched the English. How would you do that? Because oh, I wanted okay. to, I wanted to understand everything that they were saying, and I didn't want to have to read late at That's night. Different. The yeah. story's different in the English version. Is it okay? Yeah, they, oh. uh, I, I don't know what they changed, but I read that. I read that there are significant plot changes. Okay, well, that might be part version. of why I was confused. Um, no, but, uh, I, I will. For anything visual, I will usually set it to English the first time I watch it so I can focus on the action a little bit. Because okay. I have trouble reading subtitles and following action. In I, I will say the American dubbing on the version I watched was very good. Like they got really good voice actors and they knew what movie they were in, but they still mm -hmm. did. They turned in great performances. So I'll give them that. Um, I love how seriously the Japanese voice cast took this movie. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of a smirk with the American voice cast. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, there's even some moments where it's supposed to be comedic and, like, they, they understand. They got the comedy, which was, that's kind of delightful. Like, whenever Rao was fighting that guy, he can turn his skin into steel. Um, and he just, like, he hits him and he's like, they have this moment before he dies where he's like, why, are you just going to punch me? That's not a big deal. I'm just going to stand here for a second. No, I'm gonna get... <laughs> then, he, then he gets flown back. <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. That's such a beautiful comedy moment. And the voice actors do a great job of that. Also, whoever they got to voice that guy sounded a lot like the Shredder. Um, <laughs> there were the some, team. I mean, I looked up the names and they were all people that I've, oh, I, I've seen this guy in this show. Like one of them was a guy that was in Babylon 5 or one of them was somebody who like voiced in movies or cartoons that I had seen growing up, they were all working yeah. actors. You know what I mean? So they got a good cast. Like, so it's not like the English version is like some terrible travesty. Um, it's just, man, th there's no, it is dead serious when the Japanese cast does it. I don't know how they managed to keep that straight laced. The, the, uh, I mean, I, one thing I, I like listening to Japanese. It's just a language that, you know, some yeah, languages I mean, just yeah. particularly appeal to me when I'm listening to them. So for me, it was an easy choice. I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to this in Japanese. And it it, it really, I, I don't, it just really suited the tone of the movie for me. It's, uh, yeah, but uh, I, like I said, I'm not sure what the specifics are different yeah. than what we saw, but what, most of what you're saying agrees with everything I feel. So maybe it's not. The, broad the other right, thing is, yeah. I, I, I when I was younger and when I was watching this stuff, I came in from the time when we had like VHS tapes of it. Yep. And you yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure some of them were Japanese with subs, but I remember most of them being dubbed because that's how I remember most yeah. of the shows was being dubbed. Yeah, most of the, most um, of my original animes that I would watch on the oh, sci-fi yeah. channel or on VHS were dubbed. Like, because they didn't have the technology to just do the movie twice on the same thing, one yeah, of which no. with the original Japanese audio, they would just dub it. Um, and that's fine, you know. It it had its own aesthetic, like, and this is a this this particular movie, this one, Vampire Hunter D. There's a couple of them, uh, Rojan Z. I kind of feel like the dubs are superior uh, aesthetically because of just how well, they give something to the movie that it didn't have in the Japanese Cowboy version. Cowboy there's one that's got a good dubbed version. I really I prefer the, the dubbed version of Cowboy. Yeah, Hunter. I 
that's the one anime where I'll 100% agree with you. The Cowboy Bebop dub is is unrivaled. They the mm-hmm. American voice cast isn't well. Yeah, actually, I eat my words there. Um, and, the Trigun one is really good too, but but yeah, no, that one's incredible. Um, yeah, especially the guy that got to play Spike. I know he's done other stuff. Um, what is his name? I know is it's something. It's like Bloom or something like that. But well, that guy Valentine too, Jill Valentine. I, I find yeah. the English version so much better. It's just the the Japanese version is just kind of the traditional. Japanese kind of anime voice, whereas the uh, the English version I feel has a real personality to it. Well, they kind of, that kind of came out of the same philosophy that the Batman animated series had with voice acting, where yeah. they didn't want people doing voices; they want people whose voices had character. And so yeah. that's where your your legendary like Kevin Conroy turns as Batman and things like that. Um, yeah. Same exact thing; they were right fitting actors to roles, and which is what you're supposed to do. Um, and it, it did gangbusters. Like the voices were incredible. Nowadays with anime dubs, it, it feels like they just have like a stable of dub artists and that's who they grab. I don't know if they you unionized the, or what happened, but yeah, you see the same voices all the time, same actors all the time. There is just a tiny group of, these are the, these are the voice actors, anime fans. Like, so we're going to hire them so we can put their name on the box. People go, Oh, this person's doing the dub. I'm going to watch it. It's like yeah, watching the old Shaw Brothers. They get the um, yep. they have like a crew of like five people. It seems that all do the voices. Um, and they do the like I mean, Lord's I, Prayer. Well, Bruce I Prayer. yeah, I kind of I mean I think there's something very interesting about dubs where it becomes a new artifact when you dub it rather than do, do the sub. And yeah. if you grew up on that artifact, that's sort of an interesting thing. Like like the movie Snake in the Eagle Shadow with Jackie Chan. I, I I think I've seen a sub version at some point, but when I got it, it was dubbed, and I don't think I want to see it subbed. I I, I prefer the humor <laughs> of some of the strength. There's like a scene where there's this priest who's wandering around the whole movie, and you just think he's a priest, and he's a, and he's a westerner. He looks like he's from Europe or Russia or something, and and he's just kind of an annoying priest the whole time. And it turns out, no, he's like a a, a secret martial art expert. And he and, he, and the guy who's playing him is like, ah, I'm a, I'm a fighter from Russia. And the way he says it, is, it's like just the right tone of bad that it makes the line super funny. And that's how I always want that scene to play. Because I'm sure if it was, du- if I saw the subs, I'd be disappointed with how it landed at this point. Um, yeah. It- I, I concur. There, there is a, there is a piece of culture there that is unique to the subculture of Americanized anime. So, um, it's it's like bootleg culture. It's like if you grew up yeah, watching bootlegs of martial kind of arts movies or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's animated movies have the advantage that it's not as obvious when something is dubbed as it is when you're watching live action stuff too. I, yes, when I when I was true. still, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to say the phrase, yes, that's true, and agree with Adam. (laughs) When I was still watching anime, the big debate that I remember my friends having, which was probably pretty provincial, I'm sure, like, online forums, this would seem like, oh, you know. But our big debate was whether when they have, like, a character that's from a rural part of Japan, whether it was appropriate to give them, like, an American rural accent versus a not, you know what I mean? Like, and well, like yeah, Northern I, Islander or something I, like that. I think I think that is a good thing to do a lot of times. I mean, I'll do similar things. I mean, it's someone that runs role playing games mm-hmm. when you're doing it's like, yeah, I 
I mean, it's it act like official advice in Warhammer for that they have, like, is oh, you know, do kind of do that. What's your big city yeah. accent? What's your rural accent? Because yeah, it's like I can't do a million different German accents yeah. that are all gonna suggest something, or a million right. Japanese accents. Yeah. It's like it's outside my capacity. All I can do is the same tone all the time if I don't do that. Yeah, yeah like when I, I'm I've doing my Scottish ancestors, I cannot do a brogue for the life I, of me. I, <laughs> I can't do accents Can't do it. I can but do I can, like, I, there's a couple I can really nail, but not not the Scottish brogue, not at all. But even if you could, even if you could nail it, if you're doing a campaign set in in Scotland, it's like would you yeah, want yeah. to break that same brogue out for every character? You're not going to be able Everybody to get the nuance like of actual yeah. individual Scottish. Might, might no, but but it, but it but it but it's to the point that like the audience in question are Americans, or you know, in our case, uh, yeah, two Americans and an Australian. But like yeah. it's you know people that have a particular you know, we have certain expectations of what this accent means versus that. Like when I when I run a, a, a wuxia campaign set in a Chinese setting, I don't know what an urban, you know, sophisticated Chinese accent is versus a rural accent or versus. So you know yeah. I have to draw. So I'll draw on things like okay I might use a vaguely New Yorkish accent for this character or, or yeah, use something too. more. You know, yeah. uh, like a a more like uh, this guy sounds like he went to an elite university kind of an accent or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's the uh, I, I think that's a, a, a good way for dubs to operate generally because um, yeah. the audience isn't going to get it otherwise. Um, I, I think so, because they and they we've been doing that since time out of mind, because like the uh, I, I remember that's less like a thing in the Shakespearean theater where they're like, um but when they're doing like a like Romans versus um, uh, Spartans, they'll give the Spartans a Scottish accent and the Romans an English accent to okay. show that like there's a cultural difference there. Um, That's what they I, did in um, I think Ben Hur Spartacus. They did something mm -hmm. like that where the the Romans had English accents and the provincials all had uh, American accents. Um, yeah, that that scans. But uh, it's you know it, a whole it bunch works of here so. Well, it works for it. it I, I think it worked especially in that movie. But I, 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 you can, you can, you can have fun if you if you don't overthink. Hey, you know, like I remember there was a David Spade bit where he was talking. He, I forget he was commenting on. Um, must have been the TV show Spartacus or Rome. I don't know which it was. Uh, it was probably Rome. But he, but he was saying, hey, why does everybody have an English accent in this show? They should they should have Italian accents. They're from Italy. And so they did like a clip where they're just speaking. You know, it's like a Rome scene where they have Italian, but like New York Italian, not like Italian. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, <laughs> it just so. plays like The Sopranos. Yeah, it was it was it was funny. It was funny. But uh, uh, yeah. So so anyways, um, I don't know. What, what else do we want to cover with this movie? Um, oh jeez! Did we talk about probably... the comparisons to Road Warrior and Mad Max? A little well, bit, we yeah. We we touched on that. Mm. Here and there, yeah, just but, uh... just a bit though. I, after having just watched uh, Mad Max and the Road Warrior, like you can see, like because I I I'm a huge Fist of the North Star guy. Like my game is basically like a tribute to Fist of the North Star, right? So like I love I love the whole Enterprise. I'm smitten with it. Um, but I like the Road Warrior too, and I like them in from very different places. You know, I, I was surprised because I mean, Fist of the North Star is kind of a, it's it's Razan Detter is about punching people and having their head explode. Like that's <laughs> that's the core thing about it, right? 
but that's really not what the Road Warrior is about. Like, it's it, they, there's terrible violence in the Road Warrior, but it's not about the terrible violence. Uh, it, it's kind of about humanity. Whatever you have to contrast it in a in a extreme situation, you know, like uh, Road Warrior is really big on that. Mad Max is gigantic on that, uh, but like. I don't know, like, there's no old world for Kinshiro. Like, when you get to his backstory, it's just, I was a martial artist, and I had a girlfriend, and this guy beat me up. And that's backstory, right? There's nowhere yeah. near the depth that you have with Max. Like, Max has an entire life. Like, you yeah, feel like he's yeah. a person, you know? Kinshiro feels like a cartoon character, which he is. But, like, it just doesn't have the depth to it. And it's because it's not interested in that, you know? That's not the... That's not what it's about. We're not, we're not here to see the humanity of Ken on display. We're here to see Ken flex his shirt off and then watch off 50 or 60 yeah. guys and watch them explode in the background. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I thought the backstory was fine. I didn't, that wouldn't have been it's, equivalent. It's serviceable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't call it anything more than serviceable. I, the, the creation of the character of Max is actually... Like, that's that's a piece of cinema, right? Like, that's a truly impressive feat of creating a human being and then destroying him on camera and then watching him slowly get put back together through the course of those two movies. It's brilliant, right? And I almost feel like the, the max we get in Thunderdome, which we haven't done Thunderdome yet, but, like, the max we get in Thunderdome where he's kind of beyond that point, we've gotten, he's gotten beyond Thunderdome, uh, that... <laughs> That you can't, you have to, right? We were talking about Beyond Thunderdome, but like that Max is almost like a caricature of the ones in the first two movies. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, uh, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the it's the version of Max with all the rough edges filed off. It's yeah, the, it's it's, and that always happens in part three. The same thing happened to Daniel in the Karate Kid part three. Mm -hmm. The rough yeah. edges all get filed off because they need the character to be more palatable to a, a broad audience. Um, I think, right, yeah, that's the vibe you get out of it, and that's that's yeah. kind of what we get with Ken. Right, I think they like, made they made uh, they made Daniel less palatable. I think by doing it in that case, but I, I would uh, agree with I you because then he, he just because then he's just whiny. Yeah, he's just not else. relatable yeah. anymore. It's yeah. like I, you know, but, but, as it comes time, we don't want to go on. No, no, but it's it's a ahead. it's a worthy topic. It's a worthy topic. Yeah. Well, um, and yeah. those are both '80s kung fu properties, right? So yeah, I mean, it's true. a reasonable okay. comparison here. Um, so no, I think that's a reasonable ground. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like Kinshiro as a character is a lot more in the line of the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome Max okay. than he is from the original one. Like the original Max felt like a complete character with a complete arc, and really and across the first two movies, a brilliantly realized arc. Having watched them back to back now, man, they did a fantastic job mm -hmm. with him, right? But with Kinshiro, uh, he's he almost has a flat arc. Right. You almost kind of don't want to see him get with Julia because like it's what's he going to do after that? I'm going to raise my kids. Get me a beer. Like yeah. what? What does this guy do yeah. for work? His whole thing is going through the wasteland and punching people. You know, the thing with Julia is like when he loses her as a motivation in the manga, he gains this broader wander the wasteland motivation, which is exactly what Mad Max has by the time we get to in Beyond Thunderdome. Right. So that's okay. that's what's great about Kinshiro as a character. He is unattached. You know, he, he's just this lone wolf that rolls up and, and fists whatever problem that people have. Yeah, someone ought to use that phrase for something. Well, no, I, I, um, I, li I like the, the fact that that's the character in this movie. I mean, again, I was confused by a lot of things, but I wasn't confused about him. 
he was a character that I immediately understood. And I think that um, I liked, I even kind of like the fact that it's, it sounds a little juvenile when you put it into words, but that he gets beat up and his girlfriend gets taken by this other guy. Do you know what I mean? It's a very, yeah, it's it's a very, uh, I don't know, very eighties movie kind of thing that you might see. You know what I mean? Just sort of like, she's mine now, like a Biff Tannen type of move. Right. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) it's it's a total Biff Tannen move. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I did like that, uh, I was like, oh man, is this guy dead? Like, clearly he's, I mean, he's gotta be dead. Right. And then that he comes back. I thought that was pretty cool. I I love the scene where he comes back too, because he literally walks face first through a collapsing building and bisects it. And then the, the like five or six dudes who are harassing children see this and their thought is. I can take this guy. <laughs> there are a lot of way too confident people in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is standard fare for any martial arts movie. But I always love that you'll get this guy that is clearly just like mediocre or maybe not even mediocre. And they've just and, and some guy wanders in who obviously has massive skills. And they're just like, nope, I'm going to, you know, you prepare to die, buddy. I'm going to take you. And my, my favorite part of this movie is whenever the there's a scene later on in this movie where there's the, you you still got goons versus super powerful martial artists right it's it's whenever Rao's army is attacking the other army and the guy turns his body into iron and he's like thirty feet tall and he's walking through and he's killing people and they, he kills a whole like battalion of them and the next battalion hesitates they're like. I don't know. Should we go fight this guy, Lord Rao? He looks like we're just doomed here. And his, his second command is like, no, go fight, you cowards. I love that <laughs> moment. Because, like, that's the moment when they're like, you know, you know, we're a great army and all that. But that guy is like Godzilla. I don't think this is going to happen. I think I got I got to single out a good Rao moment in this movie, too. The first time during the big final fight, the first time when he gets Senjiro down on the ground and, you know, they've been battling and Senjiro goes down and. He not Kenjiro, sorry. He uh he uh basically he's kind of like he's like you know wheezing and he's clearly in pain. He's almost like panicky, and then he starts to calm down and relax. And it's the the thing I, I the thing going through my head watching it is like knowing knowing all this pressure point stuff that you know Kenjiro does all the time. It's like he doesn't know if he's dead yet. It's like, it's like am I going to drop <laughs> dead in five seconds? Like ah, uh, it's like he's in this pain, and then it's like. Okay, great. I'm not. I'm not dead. It's like he did. He hasn't Five already killed by. me. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was projecting it, but that that was totally what I got out of that moment. That was just see, uh, uh, fight that's scenes. That's what's go. happening there. Because like, even whenever he's done with his whole character arc and he's forgiven, like he's he's decided to go and seek forgiveness, and he turns around to leave, his shoulder explodes, and he's like, Ah, damn yeah, it! I'm still right. dying. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just love how ridiculous their kung fu is. I also love that they escalate all the way up to this like glowing, magical, ridiculous level at the end of that fight. You know, uh-huh. I, I, the escalation in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciated it. God, okay, again, I it's probably been too long. I I could literally talk about this movie until the heat because I love it so much. Um, I, I think that we have like three different degrees of having enjoyed this movie. Like, I think that uh, poor Brendan is on the Nadir, and then you're like right in the middle, and then I'm like all positivity. And yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, you you love it this much. That's how, how <laughs> yeah. much you love. Yeah, yeah I just his his RPG five here years of my life and thousands of words to making my own. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little kooky for him. 
Uh, <laughs> cuckoo for punchy pups. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but unless you guys have some wonderful insight that you uh, have been holding off to the very last moment, I think we can probably stick a fork in this one. Yeah, yeah I think I think we're we're all set. Do we? By the way, do we know what our next movie is going to be? I don't know if we discussed that or not, but uh, nope. it would be good. Okay, I knew so. we were going to do Die Hard at some point. I think they were on the eighth day of Christmas. I was looking through our previous episodes uh, during a lull, and I think we're on eight. So we've only got four more if we want to take it all the way to Twelve Days of Christmas. Up to you guys. Um, uh, I know well, we, Die we Hard. have to get another Bruce Lee movie in. We need and, another Bruce Lee movie. I wouldn't and, mind doing um, and. We also have not done a proper Wuxia movie. That's another thing. I don't believe. Yeah. Um, so, Bruce Lee, Wuxia, Die Hard, and one more? Uh, only one more? Um, I think so. Because I think I we're, we're watching Killer Clans now if we need a Wuxia movie. I'm enjoying uh, that. Killer Clans is a great movie. Um, I would I'm say a- we should either go with a better tomorrow. Well, no, a better tomorrow is going to be hard for everybody to see because I don't think that's available on a lot of platforms anymore um so i would say kill bill or french connection Ooh, um, kill bill dude or kill bill or, was on tv today actually i, I yeah. was watching part of that and yeah i'd be up for watching that again definitely okay yeah. do, do you want to do part one or part two part two is way more wusha than no part we got to do both you can't just yeah it's only one movie it's yeah. anyone calling it two movies doesn't know what they're talking about um, yeah, I would say it, definitely. It really both. feels like a double. I, feature. I like prefer. Like I prefer the second film in the series, but I think generally people prefer the first one. Has been my experience when I've Oof. talked to folks. I would say um, the second one's heavier than the first one. The first one's like almost just action, 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 yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, radical. And the second one's a lot more like let's go into the backstory, let's yeah, the yeah. character motivations, let's do more more drama, more dramatic work. It's so got, it's got essential parts though, like her training sequence and everything that I feel like you, you can't even is, really do the movie without that stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like you have to you have to have the whole experience. So yeah, yes. Um, no, I, I having having to watch both movies in one week would not be an intolerable, you know, punishment okay. for me. I'm perfectly no, I, I want to grind out. Let's watch one day. Well, yeah, that too. We'd probably be All fine. right, so I guess we'll be back with one of those movies, and we will uh, uh, until next time. We will talk to you later. Great.